Startups, you don't need to settle for a cumbersome banking experience to protect your money. Mercury offers banking and credit cards with effortless experience, giving ambitious companies greater precision, control, and focus without compromising security. Open smarter checking and savings accounts, control spend, optimize cash flow, and close the books in record time. Visit mercury.com to join more than 100,000 startups that trust Mercury with their finances and to help them perform at their highest level. Support for the show comes from Indeed. If you need to hire, you may need Indeed. Indeed is a matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Listeners of this show can get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and say you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. And I'm Scott Galloway. Well, you sound good this morning, Scott. How's it going down there in Florida? Well, you know, I've I've decided to really take stock of life, and I've decided to change the way I approach life, Kara. And I've taken the toaster setting down from five to three so I can stop and smell the roses. <laughs> and just let life play out as it was meant to. <laughs> Uh, where, what Out point are you in the ground. quarantine? What what point are you in the quarantine? Are you like, oh, this is it? This is where this is my life now? Or are you like, I shall not accept this? What part? What I don't know. I'm you? sort of at the point where I wish I could find one of those machines that can clone you, so I could murder me and then kill myself. <laughs> I'm kind of at that point. I've had it with this shit. I don't know about you. I've oh, had... you know what? I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah. No. No. Daddy's not fine. Really? Daddy's not fine. Oh no. well. What could I As do to the help guy you? In... I want to. As I want to reach out. <laughs> as uh, Vince Rain, Vince Rimps from, I think, Pulp Fiction said after getting raped in a basement, I'm pretty uh. fucking far from fine. <laughs> <laughs> what can I Pulp do to Pulp Fiction, help you? that's what well, I got. I, that's, that's what a, I got to uh, do. You know what you got to do? What? You know what? There's a couple things you can do. First off, okay. you can convince my kids to find the movies I enjoyed that I'm making them oh, watch. That you have Majestic to agree? and wonderful. They can't stand yeah. that. Like, I've I know. been watching The Princess Bride. They're just not yeah. into it. I know. They aren't. They, um, my, my son calls those old movies. And I'm like, oh, yeah. they're from, like, I made him watch Analyze this this weekend. Just not this into weekend. this. With Billy no, Crystal and Robert Tenet. Yes. Oh, my God. He ended up liking it. He was at first like, that's an old movie, but then ended up liking it. And so I'm going to an- watch Analyze That now. That's a great movie. Go back to that movie. That's a really I like Robert movie. De Niro. There's very few people that have this sort of academic, this sort of like industry uh, kind of recognition and at the same time are such incredible horrors. If you put yes. $10 at the end of it, he would literally be in <laughs> Cats 2. He would star in Cats 2 if there was a check at the end of it. He'd he really still be one of the good. greatest actors of all time. He is. He is. He is. Uh, someday I'll tell you my Robert De Niro story about Twitter. You, um, I guess, you dated in college. No, I just, I told him not to use Twitter at, at a party. Anyway, it's a good story. I'll tell it to you some other time. But listen, but you know who's having a good yeah. week? Joe Biden in terms of getting endorsements. He's got some real action going on, as they say, well, as the young people say. Endorse? Barack Obama, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, and Cardi B endorsed him. And then Stacey Abrams mm-hmm. told uh, Elle Magazine, yes, I would be honored to be Biden's vice president. I would be an excellent running mate, as she's doing him. Mm-hmm. Um, Elizabeth Warren said she'd be his running. Everyone says they'll be his running. Well, you have been very hard on them. Let's, you know, we, we get into lots of stories. One of the things you did want to talk about this week was Bernie dropping out. Let's mm-hmm. talk about that briefly, and then we'll get into the World Health Organization, your excellent call last week. Um, but let's first talk about this. I mean, from a marketing point of view, what would you do if you were Joe Biden now? Like you've got and anything, Bernie, anything, anything, anything like what? I want to know actual concrete things. I don't want you to just yammer on and complain about them. I want some actual. I have just hired you, Scott Galloway. I'm Joe Biden. I'm sure. I'm Sleepy Joe. What do I? What do? What do? You, what do you? I'll do whatever you say. What? What would you advise him? Uh, so you you basically announce not only do you announce your VP, but you announce your candidate, and immediately following every cabinet, your cabinet, you mean? Absolutely, a cabinet. Uh, and after essentially following every bad news bears B League. Oh wait, I could be in the cabinet. Or these fucking Joey bag of donuts can be in the cabinet. Mm-hmm. Every time the the president does one of these 
does one of these press conferences and that everyone puts their head in their hands and goes, Jesus Christ, no wonder everyone's dying here. Mm-hmm. He does something similar with his team. Right. And that's the thing. He he can pull together the team we all want. Right. How can he get Fauci res- over there? He's got to drag Fauci over there. But go ahead. Keep going. But he could, uh, he needs to respond. He needs to get out of the basement. He needs to start hold, hosting his own his own meetings, and he should speak. He should introduce and wrap up, you know, 10 seconds on the front end, 10 seconds on the back end, and have other people. He needs to basically start being the president. Oh, and I see. Providing, providing a contrast to these ridiculous press conferences, I mean, where the president plays his own videos, where the president interrupts Dr. Fauci, and it'll absolutely drive President Trump crazy. President Trump won't be able to not start insulting them and they just need to they need to immediately provide a contrast a and leadership show. and confidence. Would well, you yeah. think Cardi B should be press secretary? I think that would work. Uh Cardi B as press secretary. I think as press secretary should be Stephanie Roll. I oh, think as White House Communications Director should oh, be. Wow. Stephanie All right. So Rule. name the cabinet. I want to hear some of your cabinet names. Go ahead. You know, I, I think I would rather hear yours because I think mine are gonna be uh, I want to hear yours. More predictable. Yeah, all right. Well, I think I think Kamala. I think uh, I think Kamala Elizabeth Harris Warren. VP yeah, Elizabeth. I think Elizabeth Warren would probably make the best VP because I think she is she is, in my opinion, the smartest person in the intellectual thought leader of the Democratic Party right now. I think he will probably pick uh, Senator Harris because I think the bottom line is he owes the black community. The black mm-hmm. community is a big right. part Not of the reason. Not Stacey Abrams. Won. Okay. All right. Uh, I don't think Stacey Abrams has that same attack. Kind of, I don't think she's as effective uh, on the attack as Senator Harris. She's pretty good. I'll, I don't agree with you, is but she? go ahead. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, I think Senator Bennett would be a great Secretary of Education. I don't know who he'd bring in uh, as potential to talk about economics or Treasury Secretary. Um, I'm trying to think who else was really strong. I think. I think Andrew Yang would be very interesting around something around uh, treasury or commerce or Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm trying to think who should be in charge of health and human human services, maybe bring in, I don't know, the the governor from Michigan, I think has been very effective. Okay. Um, Anyways, but that's sort of my... That's sort of my start. Who do you who do you think would be? Well, I think I think you're right. I think he should hold a press conference and actually out in the open, not in his basement. Like it shouldn't be in his basement. But I mean, they're worried about him getting sick. I think that's a hundred percent what's going on there. But um, I think probably I would have a out. I would have a thing that I'd have every day. I'd have a, the Joe Show. I'd call it the Joe Show or something like that. And at, uh, you know, ordinary Joe Show or something funny. Or Sleepy Morning Joe, Joe show. Oh, Morning Joe. <laughs> you know, something like that. I bring in guests. I bring in different guests all the yeah, time. I would I would show off a cabinet today. And every day I'd make it a, like a TV show. Like, today I'm going to introduce my health and secretary. Who knows it's going to be? Ah! Like, make yeah. some excitement about it. Like, he's not, a, by nature, a, an entertaining person. That's the problem. And you got to have someone who just loves the limelight. And so I think that's... You know, he could step out of the way, but someone around him that loves doing the limelight shows. And I would bring in like a like a any showrunner to do it, like do it like a like a reality show. I know it sounds crazy, but, uh, you know, get what's his name? The guy who did Trump's uh, shows is a Democrat. What's his name? Mark Burnett. Yeah, the guy who who did all the reality TV. Yeah, get him to do it. Get one of them to do it. It would be like and he's actually a Democrat. He's actually, you know, I would get him. I'd call him and say, I need your help or someone from Hollywood. And do it like a show and have different outfits and have different memes. Like, today I'm wearing this tie. What do you think? I'm an old Sleepy Joe. Like, I would lean into Sleepy Joe. I would lean into, like, making fun of himself, uh, that kind of stuff. I yep. think it would be great. Anyway, uh, in any case, Joe, get on it or call us because we will make a circus out of your candidacy. Yeah, do something. For God's a sake, circus. do something. Yeah, like, and, and a good circus, like a smart circus. Pull out George Clooney every now and then. Like, bring in a big star kind of thing. And actually bring them in on a private plane. You know what I mean? And if people say, oh, is it dangerous? You know, like, you know what? Gotta live. Got, we're being, a, we're going all the safety things and we're doing all this stuff or, or, or pipe them in in a beautiful way. Pipe Tom Hanks in for friggin' sake, you know, kind of thing. Anyway, um, 
But anyway, my favorite is, line so far from this what? entire podcast and this week right. is a good circus. Wait, well, hold on. A good, a, good, <laughs> a good circus, you know, bring in George Clooney. <laughs> okay. You know, you know, you know what All I'm right. saying? Like bring in some interesting Clooney makes and, any circus we, good. People need entertainment right now in a good way. Like really good, like to, as counter-programming to the shit show that is the Trump uh, yeah. daily Let's briefing. have that Canadian guy. Let's make it Cirque du Soleil Biden style. Yes, and then a little bit of those, you know, when they, they bend around each other. You ever been to Cirque du Soleil when those two guys just bend oh around my god, other. have you met me? That's like, do you do edibles? And by the way, I do edibles <laughs> and go to Cirque du Soleil. That's just right. for real. Okay. That's is. just okay. for real. That's stuff right. fun. We usually start with one big story, but today I want to do something a little different. As I mentioned before, I've watched a lot of The Apprentice. We can't just sit Trump down and shout, you're fired. We can give him a review, though, on how he's handling the pandemic. Shall we take a look at a few of his most recent and usually unfortunate choices. We're going we're gonna to make entertainment here. All right, first, Trump blames World Health Organization for getting COVID wrong. On Tuesday, Trump ordered his administration to defund the World Health Organization. It's not clear that he can, which is part of the United Nations. He said that WHO, which is created after World War II, is very China-centric. In 2019, the United States contributed about $553 million to the World Health Organization's $6 billion budget. The U.S. is the organization's largest donor. In response, Bill Gates tweeted, who has also given billions to the World Health Organization. Yeah. Uh, halting funding to the World Health Organization during the world health crisis is dangerous as it sounds. Their work is slowing the spread of COVID-19, and if their work is stopped, no other organization can replace them. The world needs at who now more than ever. Tell me, what is your review of this? And why well, did you think this? I want to know how you came up with that. Oh, this was an easy one. Whenever whenever the um, president is facing a crisis of his own incompetence and his own making, his playbook, and it's been very effective, is to create another crisis within the crisis as a distraction. And the ultimate crisis within a crisis from the president is to find a non-white or a foreigner to blame. And the head of the WHO is non-white. The World Health Organization is not American. For the 90% of people in the United States that do not own a passport, they're unfortunately given in or they have a bias or a dangerous tendency to believe that foreigners, uh, when they're under attack or when they don't like their lives, are responsible. And he plays mm -hmm. to those very tribal, he plays to our worst instincts. And the who is international. He, you know, he doesn't like those things. It feels European. There's a guy with an accent who's not, who's not from Norway, much less mm -hmm. Michigan. So they make the perfect target. This was an easy one. And he also signaled it. He typically says something outrageous that everyone, we think everyone's going to freak out. And then when his base doesn't freak out, whoever it is, whoever the most depraved person in his administration is. And that's, I mean, that's a real, you want to talk about a fight mm -hmm. for the podium, whether right. it's Stephen Miller or, or someone else comes Peter back Navarro, and says, okay, yeah. they say, actually, this was playing well. This is playing well in the press. Yeah, it is. Defunding the World Health, Health Organization. And they, and they do it. And this is, and you know who loves this? You know who absolutely loves America defunding the World Health Organization? Who? For, first and foremost, the virus. The, mm -hmm. Any enemy uh, begins to win when they start atomizing their adversary, and the way they atom the virus atomizes us and divide is to divide and conquer us. And the idea that we're going to take the only organization that is pan, uh, pan European, pan or just borderless, which is this virus. This virus is borderless. Yep, and is working on is working on AIDS, is working on malaria, and and de trying to defund them. It's just, I mean, it's just so. Yeah, and also it plays into the China issue. I think 100%. a lot of people, and I think the press will now start like looking at China, which they should have been doing in the first place. Like, nobody thinks China's any nice player. Now, Trump himself was complimenting China until That's he right. stopped complimenting them, obviously. You know, and so I think what he's going to do is get the press to like focus in on China. There's an AP story that was disturbing, but no surprise to me. I think, I, I, you know how I rail against China and the, their behavior all the time. But I mean, it, it's focusing the attention on China and not the incompetence also of the of the. White House. The, you, two things could be, they're not mutually exclusive by any stretch of the imagination. And so it, that's what's really effective. Like, what would you say? Is this effective? This is effective. It's working. Oh, this is, yeah, but you'd like to think, you'd it's like to think. It's not working from a moral and, and uh, like, I think I'm 100% with Bill Gates. This is dangerous, but it's, it's something that he's doing this. Uh, politically? Trying. Yeah. Politically, it's probably a good move. Yeah. It's probably a good move. He's finding, he's creating a distraction. Look, this is this is the reality, and Americans don't want to believe this because we don't we don't want to look in the mirror and see the reflection right now. The reality is we had more time to prepare, we spend more money on healthcare, 
we have some of our best and brightest put on scrubs every day and go to work as doctors. And yet we we have fucked this up so badly. Yeah. I mean, we, there is, there's just no way to look at this and go, okay, how did we get this this wrong? And so the president has to deflect and start blaming other people. And now he can say the World Health Organization is responsible because they didn't report. I mean, to a certain extent. He didn't extent, know that he didn't, yeah. they didn't tell him. And of course, he had a million other ways to know, but... And there's some truth to the fact that China uh, probably hasn't received the scrutiny it deserves. The China, if China had been more forthcoming, if they'd been more transparent, the World Health Organization can only work with the data they're given. They're not an investigatory unit. They don't have, they they don't they don't confirm or validate or have spies on the ground to confirm information coming out of China. They have to work with the information they're given. And I think when the when all of this comes, you know, all of this comes out in the wash, we're going to find that the Chinese. A lot more people have died in China than they've reported. That the numbers of they've course, reported yeah. are actually probably just just there's two sets of numbers. There's the real numbers, and and what they're reporting. And there's no doubt about it. In situations like this, a certain level of transparency and honesty around data is hugely important, especially in the initial phases. So China, China as a corrupt nation, which it is, and the leadership is corrupt there. We will find out that that they in fact stay true to that out. party line. And we I, will not I, find it. I don't think there's any way those numbers are accurate. Anyways, Never. but to the World Health Organization, to blame them, all they're saying is, I know, let's take one organization that could help make progress against us and make sure yeah. that we don't have a— The relapse is much more likely now in in the late fall by defunding the World Health Organization. So, yeah. great. He's created a distraction from his own incompetence. And as a result, we're likely going to have a more severe relapse globally. I mean, I don't know if you've seen what's happening in Africa. There was riots yeah. and food lines in Nairobi. Mm -hmm. It just shows a total lack of empathy for for man. It's just so, I mean, it's getting to the point where these decisions are, they're just somewhat depraved. And I was trying to yes. find, I was trying to say, okay, I'm a raging moderate, which means I can see the other side. And it just, it disappoints me that more there moderates. Side, yeah. yeah, it just is getting so, I mean, it's just getting kind of almost, you're almost becoming numb to this stuff. But well, you're going to see. Not you, you know Scott. Gonna, you're not oh, numb, numb, see? I'm not. You're not. You're not. But you're not. Look how ragey you are. Listen, I was. I was appreciating that Bill Gates, who was never political, almost never. Never. He didn't, of course, mention never. Trump's name, which he should have. But that's all right. I'll take it. You know, they've been giving a lot of money. I had a lot of back and forth with people who are like, "Why are you listening to the, just a rich guy?" I'm like, "This guy actually has expertise. We need. You need to stop." you know, attacking the messenger. He's 100% correct here, and, and he's right. Um, and of course, they've given a lot of money to the World Health Organization. The, the line on him is that he wants to make vaccines and make more, more money. That's what he's lining up to do. I, this is not true. Um, Say more about that. He's lining up what? Well, that they're, that, you know, he's been pushing, he's building uh, factories to make vaccines. And their whole thing is he wants to make, you know, the anti-vax people who are just abominable uh, as far as I concerned, right. um, is saying he's lining up to make money off of vaccines. That's what he wants. That's his end game here. I was like, he's the richest man in the world. I don't, I feel like, no, I don't feel, this is not a profit opportunity for Bill Gates. This is not, uh, I don't know. Anyway. Um, but, but the World Health Organization is about to become yeah. the new Planned Parenthood. And that is, yep. uh, unfortunately, it's going to be become hugely politicized and it's going to become the, one of the largest recipients of billionaire democratic philanthropy. You're going to see yep. Tech billionaires step into the void here and fund the World Health Organization, and it's going to make it uh, such that the Republicans begin to hate the World Health Organization just yeah. the same way they've started to hate. That's a very Planned good call. Planned Parenthood. Very good call. All right, next, Trump announced a new business council to reopen the country, uh, which was a disaster. In a press conference, he read off a list of names of big CEOs in Wall, Wall Street, tech, sports, other industries who would be part of that effort to restart the economy. Names on the list included Tim Cook, Mark Zuckerberg, and Jeff. Bezos, Mark Cuban. It's not immediately clear if they agree. It's not not immediately clear. They didn't agree to be on the council, a lot of them, and how they would buy the president, what capacity. They just put up the list of names and then told them later. There's lots of reporting on that. Um, uh, after, As a reminder, after Trump's uh, big Rose Garden presser, at the start of the quarantine, he announced that Walmart would be making drive-through testing for COVID-19. NPR reports that a total of eight drive-ins that he described have been implemented. Same thing with all the stuff he showed in his dog and pony show there. 
uh, most of the things like these these devices to do testing, they're not being used very much at all. Um, there's a lot of announcements and not a lot of uh, a lot of vaporware, as they say in tech. Um, but I talked to a number of tech executives, and they're like, "We had no idea." And then they sort of have to respond and be on these calls. Yeah. But most of the people on these calls. We're like, don't open the country. Um, this is ridiculous. And testing is what's most important. And so Trump didn't like what he heard on these. Um, and they th- they said it was desperate. It was a weird, desperate uh, call. It's very similar to those original business councils that Trump did that everybody jumped off of in the beginning of the of the uh, uh, of the administration. Remember those when he started doing crazy things, they all left. Um, what do you think about this? What do, what do you think of this business council thing? What would you like to see? In if it's not a worst idea in the world to consult business people, but the way he did it, of course, was ham-handed and disorganized. Um, what do you think needs? And, and Bill Gates wasn't on it, by the way. Interestingly enough, um, what do you think about this? Yeah, but he's treating them like his PR team. He wants to stand right. shoulder to shoulder with Tim Cook and. Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos and say that anything I say because they're sitting next to me makes it more valid because these are right. these are the heroes. Anyone who's rich means they're smart is how he th- perceives right. himself and thinks other people perceive him. So if I can get these guys to stand, if I can get Tim Cook to sit next to me, it means anything I say has more credibility. And what he should be focusing on instead of some sort of photo opportunity is two things, is, is leveraging the power of the private sector and our innovators for um, uh, testing. I, I, the thing that it reopens the country is to give people the confidence that, that we're actually, yeah, that we're actually getting testing, whether it's testing for immunities, whether it's testing uh, super, super facile, real-time testing around whether you have it. And then the second thing is, I don't understand why they're doing this. I don't understand why they haven't hired up or scaled up two or three million people. Uh, from what I understand, quite a few people are out of work. And turn them into overnight into the world's largest organization that does one thing, and that's tracing. And these are people using new technologies that would immediately, once someone gets an alert or once they're alerted after our incredibly robust system of hopefully testing gets ramped up, to do incredible contact tracing right. and notify people using new technologies. I mean, it's testing and tracing. So, Which is what every CEO, including the head of the bank, of all of them said it to him. They yeah, did. And exactly. he didn't like the new, he didn't like the information they were imparting. Bezos but they don't apparently have, did. They don't have anyone competent. We should have, we should have the most, I mean, look at what France is doing. France has totally mobilized their infrastructure. They have makeshift emergency hospitals and transportation vehicles uh, uh, from the TGV and from their aircraft carriers. Their armed services have been brought to bear. They they should have. The, there's incredible logistics service people in the in the armed services. Why, why hasn't Trump kind of weaponized them, if you will, or emboldened them to say, okay, here is the basic technology around testing. It's going to get better every day, and we need to take testing from X to 10x in the next 30 days. Help us get there. Instead, he's trying to trying to convince the nation that I'm the one that should be able to decide if and when we open. And what those tech executives should be doing is they should be getting together and say, okay, let's coordinate. They should be having their own counsel. And also they probably should be saying in as thoughtful a, a way and not confrontational way as possible is that we look forward to the all clear for when to go get back to work from our governors who are on the ground. Uh, and right. Republicans either have to walk the walk around the importance of limited federal government and it's up to, they always want states' rights when it's around gun control or around family planning, which they never want to face. And then when it comes to this, him pointing at his head and saying, I'm going to decide. I do think yeah. that's something he'll lose on. I think the governors are going to stick up the middle finger and say, sorry, boss, you're not deciding yeah. when yeah, we Yeah, well, open. that's that's obvious. I think this. The, you're right around the PR elements of this of this thing. And I think they didn't bite. I think they are very nervous about being used as like props in a, in a show. But, what, you know, what's happening here is he's announcing things and then it has nothing to do. You're saying, why doesn't he do something? Because that's not, he just says things and then that's that. That's the whole thing, which is what a TV show show does. Like you don't actually create the things. I was, I wrote a piece, I don't know if you saw about me testing myself for antibodies. Um, I got a hold of one of these tests from a 
someone I know, um, and and how useless underground it was. and underground kit? underground underground kit yeah for now but um, but I don't know I don't know there's no like the FDA has sort of let these things go like on the antibodies tests and they have to really like they they just like anybody make them and there's a whole bunch pouring in from China and Korea that are apparently and so what happened te- crappy I tests. didn't I, I, I usually read absolutely everything you oh, write stop, but I didn't stop, stop, this stop. time I, I was didn't. negative it was negative but I had thought I had possibly had COVID nineteen because I had a really weird bout of illness um, but I didn't. Uh, but I can't even get a test. As you know, I like, I don't even know how to get a test. Um, no. And it's not easy to do so. And it's, you should walk into a drugstore and be able to get a test right there and know right there. It's like, it's well, just like it, it should be like a home pregnancy test. It should be like, anyway, he, th- so I was got, ri- a lot of people wrote me and one person who was working this was saying, you know, this, this, he, you could just dragoon these people to do them and make them and they would be out like that. Like you just dragoon them, not even dragoon saying you're going to be making these tests, Abbott or whatever. And they, Abbott is, and other companies are, but it, it, you're right, the testing thing, and I think all these CEOs, that was the message, is we're not opening up until the science leaves us there, and until the science, until you do something about the science, we're not going to open our companies. There's no way we're opening Disney World. We're not opening, uh, you know, this and that and this. Anyway, um, Scott, let's go on a quick break. We'll come back to talk about SoftBank and also hear from a listener who's done something very interesting with AI and Scott Galloway. oh Startups, you don't need to settle for a cumbersome banking experience to protect your money. Mercury offers banking and credit cards with effortless experience, giving ambitious companies greater precision, control, and focus without compromising security. Open smarter checking and savings accounts, control spend, optimize cash flow, and close the books in record time. Visit mercury.com to join more than 100,000 startups that trust Mercury with their finances and to help them perform at their highest level. Support for this show comes from Indeed. Imagine the perfect employee. Let's call her Jackie. Jackie is professional yet relaxed, punctual, friendly, meets deadlines, and just makes your job easier overall. But the search for Jackie can be long and tedious, especially when you have so many other things on your plate. Indeed wants to help you find your next Jackie. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. They leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. So their matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. That means they can better connect you with your Jackie. And listeners of this show can get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and say you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, Scott, we're back. Let's talk about our favorite thing. SoftBank is in trouble. SoftBank warns investors that the value of its vision fund, Shakaru, may have dropped by as much as $16.7 billion over the last year. In a statement posted to its website, Vision Fund said it would record a loss of $1.8 trillion yen in the financial year that ended in March due to the deteriorating market environment. SoftBank has other areas of investment that will likely offset those losses, but this is the first annual loss in 15 years. Of course, SoftBank's issues started before COVID-19, way before, way when we uh, when they backed WeWork and other companies that were kind of insane. Last week, WeWork announced it is suing SoftBank for abandoning a $3 billion share buyout offer. They say SoftBank made up reasons to back out of the plan as financial pressures mounts and COVID-19 pandemic Worsens. In an interview with Forbes, Masayoshi Son, the founder and CEO of SoftBank, said he expected 15 Vision Fund portfolio companies to fail. But he said the long-term plan for the Vision Fund was unchanged. <laughs> okay. All right. What is this the end of the Vision Fund? I think it is. I think most people I talk to think that in Silicon Valley. We predicted this was yes. over four months ago. Yeah. That this was the walking yeah. dead. And yeah. you got to imagine at some point their investors step in and say, all right, stop spending money on overhead, substantially reduce the staff of the general partners, that is the people. Uh, I mean, that one guy, I can't get over that one guy, so it's a job. Rajesh, the guy who yeah. whose background includes, I think, like losing billions of dollars at Deutsche during the credit crisis. And, okay, let's put him in charge. Mm-hmm. But you're going to have... Uh, this is, per- I don't want to say it's perfect for them, but it's giving them cloud cover just to get the hell out of Dodge. Yeah. And this thing is over. SoftBank is actually a great company. 
Uh, they do really well. They've made, they have fantastic. They have some fantastic assets. Telco is a good place to be. The merger of Sprint and T-Mobile made you know made a lot of sense in terms of scale and having a viable mm-hmm. number three. So this will give them the cloud cover they need to get out. What's going to be interesting is just to watch this thing unwind when they don't have the drunk sailor showing up and feeding them more crack cocaine of cheap capital. So right. I mean, there's there's companies like by that you we, mean the Saudis. Although they don't drink. Well, SoftBank, SoftBank was doing these follow-on rounds, which were just ridiculous mm-hmm. to companies that some some great companies, Slack, there's some real good companies in the portfolio. I think, I'm not even sure, was I think, was SoftBank and Airbnb? I, I can't remember. Uh, small, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. No. Um, and then, but uh, what's inter- what's really going to be interesting is the next shoe to drop, I think, within the portfolio, other than just the crazy shit, like robots making, pizza making robots, is there real estate stuff? So Oyo yeah. is already out of business. They just don't know it yet. That's going to be a yeah. disaster. Trying to roll up budget hotels, overpaying a 26-year-old running the company. That That's just stupid. And then the next one's, uh, you got to imagine that SoftBank plus real estate in this economy, the next ones we're going to hear more about, um, even despite the, the distraction from COVID-19, will be Compass and Open Door. Open Door is eye buying, so they take they actually buy houses sight unseen using algorithms, and then they fix them up and then sell them. And it's yeah. an interesting idea, creating more liquidity in real estate and taking a very inefficient process where, you're, where you know, Joan, your your friend's wife. Um, it shows up on a Sunday and sells your house, and then brokers take five percent of what is your most valuable asset. I mean, there's just a lot, a lot of inefficiencies yeah. there. But yeah. the problem is they now are sitting on inventory of houses that are going to be increasingly illiquid and likely go down in value. So they have yeah. mismatched durations. The same thing that happened to WeWork, where they basically buy long, they sign ten-year leases, and then sell short. That can, when the market turns against you, it's just vicious, right? So you're mm-hmm. going to start to hear more about oil, compass, and open door as companies, as distressed companies in the SoftBank uh, portfolio. And they're not going to have, you know, Uncle Massa to show up with his his, his drunken checkbook. They're going to get yeah. a lot more um, discerning around follow-on rounds. Well, and I think the thing is, it's just they just were funding everything. And I think they were doing things like competing, you know, competing. They have some interesting one. They have Bite Dance, which is interesting. Coupang, yep. Coupang Fanatics, um, First Story. They've got some interesting companies, got for some sure. But stuff. some of them are, are in such. They are not in Airbnb, by the way. You know, you're right. They just have to just move along. It just was the fact that they were doing this in this sort of strange way of of overfunding things or else to they would they would offer money to one group and then if they didn't go for it they say we're going to we're going to fund your your competitor like by a lot and so a lot of people did not I, I wrote several stories about that it was sort of this sort of we're coming in with giant piles of money screw you um and so uh, you know there's just the, you know this is their, their it's kind even, of they're, even, they're reaping what they sowed essentially even their winners though they won't they won't experience the type of IRR that typical VCs I mean it's, it's Sequoia Capital put and Kleiner Perkins got 20% of of uh Google for I think about 25 million dollars in their series right. B. Yeah. Whereas and so the 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 return there was you know 40,000%. Whereas even the winners at SoftBank cuz they came in and said here's a billion at a pre of 7 billion or something crazy or here's 500 million at a pre of 1.5 billion even their winner is the IRR will be it will be good, but it won't be exceptional. So the returns yeah. here and are just not going to be yeah. They're not very be great. tough, especially they're all over uh, uh, driving, like with Grab and uh, all of them. They're not just they're in DD, they're in Grab, they're in yeah. Cruise, they're in Get Around, right, right, they're right. in you know the, all the they're in like, everything Uber. But, um, but, so, but you know who it's going to benefit? What the the vintage, if you will, of VC funds raised right now that will be deployed not now but in 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 twenty one and twenty two will be some of the highest returning funds and asset classes in history because what you're seeing is this great culling of of startups and you're also seeing costs come way down and valuations come down and yep. the largest source of stupid crack cocaine capital is about to leave the stage meaning that they won't be competing against drunk uncle driving up valuations. The best time to start a company is no. at the very, very depth of a recession. And the yes. best time to invest is at the depth of a recession. And all these guys that have just have fortunate timing, all these VCs who've just raised big funds are about yeah. to pick up great companies and great startups at 40 to 60% off. I don't know if you looked at the term, the most recent terms on Airbnb, that was a yeah. great piece of paper. 
yeah. uh, for the VCs. So the VCs who have just closed yes, funds, well. the, the, the 21 and 22 vintages are going to have some of the highest returns in the history of, All right. of venture. Good point. All right. Last one. Sorry, because it has to do with you too. A court ruled Amazon operations shut in down in France. A court ruled the company failed to protect warehouse workers against COVID-19. Now, Amazon must restrict deliveries to food, hygiene, and medical products. That impacts 10,000 workers. They will get full pay during that time. In a statement, Amazon said it was perplexed by the French court's decision and that uh, threatened to the and the threatened fine was too high to risk for not complying. Similar issues have risen in the U.S. I doubt the U.S. will do anything about it, but the pressure of COVID-19 pushed Amazon. Uh, will it push them to reconcile its tenuous relationship with workers? I, they've been firing workers who complain here in the United States. What do you think of this? Very briefly, what do you, I mean, Amazon is is doing a, a great job delivering, but at the same time putting their workers at risk and not doing enough. And although the question is, is, is there anything they can do that's enough that doesn't end up in this situation? Well, I, look, I, I just don't think there's anything getting around it. I think Amazon and Walmart are now becoming too big to fail in the sense that they are now, if you want to see a riot, uh, if Amazon and uh, Walmart, all of a sudden, if their supply chain was interrupted and they announced they were no longer able to deliver food or they had to start closing stores, yeah. you would say your neighbors, you know, they'd be like, honey, grab the, the Glock or going to Publix. You would start to see... You could you could really see a panic, and so those companies are playing probably in some ways a more important role than the federal government right now. Right. So I think what Amazon is doing is uh, I think it's a good thing that that we have people that are smart enough, brave enough to put themselves in harm's way. I think the difference here is that it's people who unfortunately weren't paid enough to make that decision. They have to put themselves in harm's way because quite frankly they haven't made any money. And that great line from The Little Prince, what is essential is invisible to the eye, our essential workers that we keep talking about, they're then invisible to our eye. And while we lean out our windows and applaud the healthcare workers as we should, are we really leaning out and applauding the essential workers who deliver our groceries or put, our, uh, or put stuff in our backseat or run our sanitation trucks mm-hmm. or have died in transit? I think 41 transit workers have died in New York because the bottom line is, it's more really it's it's a continuation of the war on the poor and that is we don't respect these people we don't have the same affection for them because we think of them as losers the the difficult thing about a meritocracy or what we think is a meritocracy is that we believe billionaires deserve it and that we should idolize them and we believe someone someone who is delivering your groceries at 14 bucks an hour they fucked up because mm-hmm. they deserved it they're not as smart they're yep. not as good as the rest of yep. the people and we're not leaning out our windows at 6 p.m to clap for these people and they become increasingly important so i'd like to see these warehouses be open i would just like to make it a real Safe. function of option and that you get danger pay and well that- it's interesting you got to know what they're doing i mean i my the whole foods near me just had a bunch of illnesses in it and i have to say when i went in there i've been in there several times which i was like oh great this is not great um they were they did have gloves they did have masks they did like i wonder what's happening i mean obviously this virus is going to get people sick no matter yeah. what like it's going to get through but i was sort of like what there there's there's a they obviously didn't respond quickly enough and the question is what are they doing behind the scenes cuz in front of the scenes everybody's all as as protected as i guess you can be but uh, but it, but it, it it you wonder like they have to be sort of you know what is it called um purer than Caesar's wife on these things. Like you really have to go as far as you can. Um, But is there any, doing these jobs is inherently like my brothers might get sick. He's just gonna, like there's a possibility. Um, and 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 the question is, what do we do then? What do we, you know, and France just shuts them, gives them a fine that just shuts them down. Just completely just, there's, there's a shutting down though. is the only other, complete but, shutdown is the only way to protect. But them. healthcare workers, not that they're not heroes, but generally speaking, healthcare workers kind of take this oath. And that is, mm-hmm. they get paid well, they have a lot of respect in our society, and they're heroic to sort of begin with. And their general, their general viewpoint or their thought to the medical community, community is that they will put themselves in harm's way to help other people's health. And I'm not saying we should take that for granted. Uh, but for example, in the armed services, I remember my dad wanted me to go to Annapolis so he wouldn't have to pay for my college. And I started seriously mm-hmm. thinking about a career in the armed services. And I remember reading about different careers and talking to people in the service. And I said, if you become a submariner out of college, you can make like $50,000 a year. Why? Because you're in a metal tube mm-hmm. with recirculated air and you literally don't surface sometimes for five or six months, but they paid mm-hmm. you so much money that you consider doing it. And what we'd like to see in those warehouses amongst those essential workers, if you're a 25-year-old woman 
the prospect of being infected is a different prospect than a 65-year-old man with diabetes. It's just a different Mm -hmm. risk-adjusted threat. And I think if a 25-year-old consciously decides that he or she is going to play a very important role and go to work in our food supply chain into a warehouse, I don't think, I think that's worth that. We had, our job is not to shut the warehouse down. Our job is to make it worth it for those people going into that right, warehouse pay and them pay more. them. Yeah, just pay them a shit ton of money. Make it such that a, you know, if they get sick, they know if they get sick, we're going to take care of them. And B, mm-hmm. if they manage to get through this, we're going to pay them a shit ton of money. Yeah, they so, can do something much more creative here. All right, so we're going to get into a listener question. You're 100% right. Okay, this one is a little different. We have a software engineer named Zilong Lee from Montreal. He used AI to make a question in Scott's voice. This AI bot does sound like Scott. So here's the robot Scott's question. You've got, you've got, I can't believe I'm going to be a mailman. You've got mail. Karen Scott, I'm Robert Scott, and I'm a big fan of the show. My question today is, can the big tech go to another level and pull out a gangster move to replace essential workers with robot in order to protect them against the virus in the future? Oh, wow, that's pretty good. Let me read it. Just kidding. Can big tech go to another level and pull out a gangster move to replace essential workers with robots in order to protect them against the virus in the future? Scott, that sounded like you. That was crazy. I didn't think that sound. I didn't feel. Oh I didn't God. feel like just irresistibly attracted to that voice. That I, voice did not sound <laughs> loving and sexy. I that sounded like me. I'm thinking of doing a show with that robot. I, I think that robot would be just fine. That anyway, was it was robot? really well done. Yeah, it was a robot. It was an AI voice of Scott. That was a pretty close approximation of your voice. Mm-hmm. That really. You know, I'm such a narcissist. I didn't even listen yeah. to the question. I just kept thinking, does this sound like me? What do I sound like? Yeah. Do people love me? Do people love the dog? <laughs> the robot. See, the robot will not care and will be much easier to deal with. I think that's uh, one of the pluses of a robot. But but, but we talk about this idea of haste in the race for robots. I talk, Again, I talked about this with Mark Cuban. He thinks we need more robots. Uh, obviously, they're working on robots in China. This would Robots would solve the problem, except the we need to have people to have jobs. But um, so d- does that strengthen the case for robots? Um, or does it, you know, they putting robots in places like when they go into nuclear facilities that are blowing up, they send in robots, they send in robots, they're going to be sending robots into mines to mine and everything. Should, what should, and here, which we couldn't have contemplated this virus that allows us, which we could have contemplated, that's not true. Um, but it, it, it creates a situation is, do we need more robots? Scott? Well, you you know this is gonna. I mean, Andrew Yang talked about the need for. Yes. Um, uh, he basically said that it, it's not immigrants taking jobs; it's robots. So unless you're going to stop robots at the border, you're going to see a continued outsourcing mm-hmm. of middle class jobs or robots cons- at the border. Which border? Destruction. Well, he was he was making a joke that it's yeah. it, it, this notion you're stopping immigrants. It, it, that's not who's taking the jobs. It's it's not immigrants in factories. It's robots. I don't think you mm-hmm. can stop technology and. What I think you can do is tax robots the same way we tax payroll taxes, such that you have money yeah. to reinvest and take care of people whose job. I don't. I've always said this on boards that's when they're talking about idea. whether or not whether or not, that's right. It is Bill Gates' idea. Whether or not you fire employees or not, and we all sit around and pretend we we give a shit, and we all pretend that we're like thoughtful people, and then decide to fire people. The reality is, I don't think you can protect jobs. You can protect people. So the question is. All right, go to automation. It does make sense to where you can automate. There's a company called Ocado that does automated uh, picking and packing in grocery stores. And I just looked up their Mm -hmm. stock. I'm shocked it's not up more. But yeah, there's going to be a rush to more robotics. The question is, how do you protect the people whose jobs are displaced and either retrain them or give them enough money to find uh, another uh, uh, something else, but you also got to keep in mind there are viruses that can shut down robots. Right? Robots in technology are absolutely not immune from viruses. It's an entirely different set of pathogens, but they are they too are immune. But yeah, it's hard to imagine that robotics doesn't doesn't um, accelerate. I've always thought though, at the end of the day, the most impressive processing power in the world is the processor between people's ears and the level of nuance. Right. Yeah. You know, robots can't show courage. They can't show ingenuity. They have absolutely no intent. So you got, you have, I, I think still in moments of crisis, we thought by this time, according to Star Trek and, uh, you know, we Isaac Asimov, yeah, or that robots would be fighting our wars, right? And that's right. just not true. There's just nothing that can replace nuance and decision-making like the human brain and processing power still isn't there. And they keep talking about the singularity when they, 
you know, you go to these conferences where they talk about the singularity that in 36 months we're going to have robots doing all this shit for us, and it just doesn't, it doesn't happen. So I'm a little I bit think skeptical. It's what do you think? It's, I'm not. I think it's directionally going to happen. I just do. I just, it's direct, it's, it, they're already in manufacturing. There are already lots more places than you and I are seeing yeah. um, in terms, especially, and especially robots combined with AI. I just think it's inevitable. I just don't, I don't, I, it's like me and not driving cars. It's, it's directionally correct. And it's just a question of when. I don't, I think there's no question that robots will replace enormous amounts of jobs. Um, I think Andrew Yang was right. I think it'll just, I think it'll surprise us where they come in, but in dangerous jobs, absolutely, no question, or or some other way to do that. But I think I, I use robots rather broadly, by the way. Some of them are just single hands. Some of them are like that look like robots. They look like little square bot, little boxes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I just I think um, I think we always conceive of robots as these people walking around, and that's not what I mean. I think it's much more. Um, widespread in terms of what a robot really is. and But no question. And especially something like this. Like, if I, I think I told you when I came back from the, the base of one of the warehouses, like, I was like, this isn't going to have people on it someday. It's just the way it was going and the things I was seeing, I was like, this, this is being designed for not having people here eventually the, the way it is. And it, and it made sense. And robots were doing so many more things than the last time I was there. And robots were doing so many more things than the time before. So, I, you know, if I was Amazon, I would absolutely do this, even though it might be heartless. I think, that, I mean, if you're sitting there from a, and penciling the same thing with Uber, I would absolutely have self-driving, uh, self-driving cars. I just, I don't know why you wouldn't as from a financial point of view. Anyway, uh, we're going to take one more quick break. Um, we're not going to replace you with a robot, Scott. That's I want really the robots good. from Westworld. I want Thandie Newton. She is scorching oh hot. God. Oh, my That's God. Not, uh, okay. Have you seen right. Westworld? She's not. I can't watch it. I told you that. It's totally confusing. It's completely oh, it's, confusing. Oh, it's, it, it, you can't, you can't even try and follow the storyline. You've got to sit back. I can't even read it and understand They're it. Just, I was like, here, this, there was a story like, here's for people who cannot follow this thing. And I couldn't follow the story. The, the, the story the trying to describe it. I was like, what? It was sort of like, yeah. why? You no, read the Bible at the beginning? So and so begat, so and so begat. So I was like, yeah. what? Yeah. What do you, what happened to, who are they talking about? Like, literally, I just can't follow it. Anyway, we're going to take one more quick break. We'll be back for predictions. Wow, that guy means business. Just an amazing player. No, not him, the sports photographer behind him. Uh, what? He has a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where he earns 5% annual percentage yield. So he's scoring big on and off the field. You might even say he's the MVB. MVB? Be? The most valuable business. Making your money work harder. That's how you business differently. Intuit QuickBooks. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes are an APY. APY can change at any time. Drowning in status updates and lost in endless emails? Break free with ClickUp.com, the one app to replace them all. Imagine a world where your team collaborates effortlessly in one shared space. No more chaos, just ClickUp. Your projects, tasks, and communication unified at last. Transform how you work with customizable views, seamless integration, and real-time updates. ClickUp is your shortcut to more productive days and happier teams. Join the millions of productive teams already streamlining their workflow. Visit ClickUp.com to get started. Okay, we're back. Scott, your predictions have been spot on in recent. I think you're a robot. That's what I think is happening. Um, you had the one about uh, the World Health Organization, and a few weeks ago you predicted that universities wouldn't reopen in the fall. Now Boston University is the first school to say it will likely shutter until January 2021. Uh, wh- I think that's going to be followed by a lot of schools. I think my son's going to be living at home in the fall. I suspect I told him that he better th- start looking for a job. But um what do you? Uh, what is your next prediction? This is you're, you're really doing well here. Uh, so uh, along the lines of well, two the the easier the the less important one is you're about to see gap years. You know, taking a year off between yeah. uh, high school yes. and college, you're about to see that increase two to three thousand percent this fall, and that is Kara Swisher is going to decide that her son. Uh, he can either go to this, we don't know what it's going to be, at the, the great schools your son has been admitted to, and for orient some sort of weird, strange orientation, and then do a bunch of bad Zoom classes, which will not be worth yeah, the $58,000. So oh, you'll no. decide, all right. And by the I've way— I've already decided. Ga- decided. Gap, gap <laughs> has years— Has been decided. 
Gap years, uh, when someone takes a gap year, 90% of them end up going back. They do, in fact, nine out of 10 do, in fact, enroll in college. It's not like they join a rock band and leave forever. Two, they end up graduating at higher rates with higher GPAs. I also think it's a great idea for young men because I think an 18-year-old man is still a boy. Boys don't mature as fast. And I think that if you're like me and you're 17 and you show up to UCLA, you just don't have the emotional uh, or mental capacity to deal with college. And you end up just smoking a shit ton of pot and watching the Planet of the Apes trilogy over and over. So I think mm-hmm. we're going to see gap years absolutely explode, but that's not my prediction. My prediction is by the end of 2020, Amazon is the first $2 trillion market capitalization company. Oh. There's just, it's huh. just hard to imagine. If you look at Holy big tech. Holy Henry Blodgett, really? Tell me oh, why. Yeah. Tell me more. Well, think about big tech. First off, big tech has gone from 21% of the NASDAQ to 24 just in the last 30 days. You have every every media company is going to be picked dry of their best talent by Google and Facebook who have increased their hiring as they see yeah. weakness. You're going to have a yes. severe downturn in media spending and revenues at Google and Facebook, but their recovery will be what President Trump is hoping for the large economy. Their recovery will, in fact, be a V-shape, whereas the recovery for every other media company is going to look like a chair. It's going to be an L, and then it's going to go down again, and it's going to be uh, Google and Facebook have been weakening, if you will, uh, yep. these media industry, and COVID came in and it's going to finish them off. Apple... Apple is probably overvalued right now. It got recast from a PE of 12 to 24 for no real reason. It's hard to believe that people won't slow down or put off buying that $1,400 phone, even though they're well-positioned, even though they have Apple TV+, Plus, even though the AirPods are the most innovative product. But the company that is going to come out of this is literally going to grow through this. It's going to run through the tape and start running a marathon after the 400 meter of the COVID is Amazon. How do they not come out of this with so much momentum? And in the markets, you can have people go, okay, uh, why wouldn't I just buy Amazon? Why wouldn't I just buy Amazon? So you're going to see Amazon. Amazon is already up. Amazon has already, uh, I mean, think about this. I'm stuck at home playing with my toaster and starting to hate my children. And Jeff Bezos gets his divorce paid for in the last 30 days. That's what's happened. He's increased his wealth about $35 billion in the last 30 days. I think you're spot on. So you have Amazon coming out of this stronger and you have, they're going to have the confidence to start making more and more overt, explicit announcements about healthcare. They're going to be the ones that kind of drive uh, more automated, real-time testing. And all, everyone's just going to throw in the towel, investors, the government, consumers, and go all in on Amazon. Amazon, first $2 trillion company by end of 2020. I'm going to end, add to your, your prediction, which I think is spot on, with the idea that uh, it's not going to be just Amazon. I think you're right. You saw a story in the Times this week about Google and Facebook sort of losing out financially uh, from the advertising. They're also getting hit, but I think they're coming right back in a bit. Oh, 100%. You have to, and they are hiring They are hiring people. And so that's Snap really, back. and I think, and they're going to hire a lot of people that don't want to go back that or feel like they're going to have to, which is not a good, I don't think that's ever good. It's like, oh, I'm going to go here because it's safe. That's sort of like marrying the person you didn't want to marry. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I'll go with this person because they're a good provider. Um, but it, I think th- that's a problem for later on down the line. But I think you just described get- my two wives. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's so strange, anyway, but I heard he's successful. Anyways, he's a good provider. He's a good right. provider. Good, good provider is not something you want to be called necessarily. Um, although it's not a bad thing. Um, but I think you're right. I think I think it's not just Amazon, but I think all, of, as we've talked about before, I think big tech uh, is going to come back stronger than ever, all of them. Look, Every, look at what's happening. You know what's happening here? Google and Facebook are calling Condé Nast is furloughed people. Viacom's furloughing mm-hmm. people. West mm-hmm. One and Art Heart Radio are, 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 are firing and furloughing people. And Google and Facebook are not going to call, well, you can go home and you can take 60% of your pay. They're, they've identified the 5% the best 5% at all these firms who have the best relationships, who are really good. And the column said, how'd you like to get a raise during furlough? Come to Google on Monday. So nobody at old media is getting a raise right now, unless the ones that go to Google and Facebook. And these guys are going to play offense. They're going to increase. That's what I'd be doing. They're going to increase their hiring. And what this also, what it gives advertisers, what happens is it gives them an opportunity to break bad habits. And quite frankly, traditional media or terrestrial media is a bad habit. 
And they have great relationships with these companies. The primary competence of old media is they hire an incredibly, exceptionally high EQ person that establish relationships with the person at AB InBev that's in charge of the budget, and they take them out, and they're nice to them, and they give them fake awards to say, you're such a great CMO because you continue to waste a bunch of money at Viacom. <laughs> and all those people are going to rethink their media budgets, and they're probably not going to come back to the same levels they were pre-COVID, but the mix will be, again, much more towards Facebook and Google 100%. and digital. It's going to be a 100%. V. These companies are going to snap back really fast. I, but I, it'll I'll be push back. I think I think the top ones will do fine in media. The ones that are high, high quality things. I don't think everyone's going to suffer the same Who levels. Is that, but though? you're right. Well, there's a bunch of organizations. There's a bunch of media organizations that are that I think people people flee towards quality. I do think right. that's the case, and I think that's the issue. Um, but you know, and guess who owns the Washington Post? Jeff Bezos. So, well, you know, you know, it's a decent survivability index across media. Is you just all you need to do is look at the percentage of revenues they get from subscription. So, Viacom almost nothing. They get they get their kicked in the nuts. New York Times sixty eight percent of revenues now from subscription recurring revenue. So yeah. their advertising can get cut in half, and they still have money to pay Kara Swisher it to was already, you know, write these it, articles. It, it, yeah, they're fantastic articles, by the way. And you could you should try to invest in our relationship by reading some of my work. I read all your you're, no now you're no stealing malice. my terms, investing just, in our relationship. I just want to say I listen to all your little rants that go on. I like I respond to your texts. Do you, all the do you time. read No Mercy No Malice I, every week? Yes, no. yes, yes. I well, no, I I watch your videos. I watch your videos. I watch your fights with people online. I watch your responses. I I watch you very carefully. You're the fighter online. online. You're much better at it than me. I've I know, stopped. but are you. Get it, you get in there. No, you get in there. You just get mm-hmm. offended when you say something and people call you on it. I, I, I don't know why. I think you should say, yeah, I'm going to double down on this. That's what you I hate that up. about myself. I hate that yeah, about myself. Yeah, you do. Myself. You're like, the, I think the Jack Dorsey thing bothered you. Now what do you think of him? I think that really upset you. You, I'm glad you stuck to your guns on that. Situation. How dare you question the dog? I know, you do. You get very offended when people question the dog. I love it. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. really? I'll just... You know, Let me ask and I, you, by the way, I have a question. All these new studies of, of and thank you, Rita Wilson, for yeah. hydroxychloroquine. I was like strafed by those idiots. They're like, it's the only thing. And I'm like, well, I, I think it's very good to be wary. And then Rita Wilson talked about how it didn't help her. And same thing with this doctor in Seattle. Other things did. And I'm not, not open to it, but you have to just be like, stick to your friggin' guns. That's what I said. Um, but I try to be, you know, speaking of sticking your guns, something I did learn about, I did put out it in Twitter. I put out a tweet saying, all right, wet markets, a lot of these, uh, a lot of yeah. these pandemics seem to have originated from bats. Should we think yeah. about purposely and thoughtfully reducing the bat population? Oh my God. Oh, do, you, no, do you know no, how many no, bat no. people are out there? There's a lot of bat people. I could have told you that. Call me before you do a Seriously, like that. I, I got such pushback, but I gotta be oh, honest. It was, bats are important. Bats it was important. really thoughtful pushback. And I got a bunch yeah. of emails from these. There are women. And it's usually women, women like for this. some reason that work at these bat rehab centers or bat, yeah. and bats they wrote these important. really thoughtful articles around how important a role bats play in the ecosystem, including including maintaining yeah. like bees. maintaining like the population bees. or reducing the population of what is the most dangerous animal in the world, which rats. is no, not rats, rats. mosquitoes. Oh yeah, that's they too, yeah. eat something like two thousand mosquitoes eat, a day, which are responsible. Bats are important. I knew that. Why do I, I know, know that, that bats were important? I didn't know that. Bats so. are important. Bats are not rats. Bats are not bats rats. Are not what rats. It is, is when, so when, I take when, it back. I just want to say publicly, say, I take it back. The problem is when when people get a hold of them and do bad things to bats. That's what. Yeah, it, that's, we're the problem, not the bats. We let me just. That is the problem on this planet. It's not bats. Um, you know, rats. I would, I would say uh, not good. Rats, not good. We're like rats. We're the rats of. Anyway, we're you know the, what I'm saying. Bats but anyways, are good. I want to apologize good. to the bat community. That, that you I, I and how dare you? And Twitter has educated me. I was wrong. Bats are important. Leave the bats alone. (laughs) Leave the bats alone. And please stop sending me emails, you crazy bad people. They say, All you bad people, I want you to keep writing, Scott, about the efficacy of bats. I want as many emails as possible this week to Scott about bats. Well, you know the stereotype about And then, by the way, bee people, all the bee people that are fans of ours, please write them about bees. That would be great, too. I've never said anything. But you know how cat people. I just want you to get all this information. There's a stereotype, a cliche of cat people being a woman who's in her 50s who lives and dies alone. The cat people to the cat people is bad people. 
They're, uh, these are strange people who are obviously living alone and not getting out enough because they are yeah. they are coming out of the woodwork to talk to me uh, about the importance of bats. Anyways, I am wrong. I withdraw the comment. Right. I have been educated. Bats are important. Please stop okay, sending good. me emails. Send more. Send more. Send more. Anyway, Scott, it's time to go. What are you doing this weekend? I hear Florida. The same damn thing I did last weekend. What are you doing? Uh, I know, but but wrestling is now an essential business. Linda McMahon's short stint with the Trump administration paid off. I mean, honestly. And church. We need to get to to wrestling. Church is considered essential. You know what? When a bunch of people when a bunch of people in Florida decide to go to church services. Yeah. When a bunch of Floridians decide to go to a church service on Sunday in the middle of a pandemic, that's what I call Darwin. They should be wiped out. That's just Oh, no, no. That's, that's going to get Darwinian. you a lot of letters. There you go. That's your letters for this week. That's that literally, that's just, that's just evolution. Thing. That's natural. Right. That's what we call All right. It's not I'm Sunday services. Right it's natural I'm selection. I'm stopping you. I'm it's stopping natural you from selection. Does- okay, it's done. You're going to get a dozens of... I'm bathed in the blood of Christ emails. Good luck with that. Anyway, don't forget if there's a story in the news and you're curious about it and want to hear our opinion, especially if you're an AI uh, uh, bot wanting to be Scott Galloway, we're very welcome to that. Uh, email us at pivot at voxmedia.com to be featured on the show. <laughs> okay, Scott, read us out. Today's show was produced by Rebecca Sinanis. Our executive producer is Erica Anderson. And special thanks to Drew Burrows and Rebecca Castro. If you like what you heard, please hit the subscribe button. Do you know for the first time last week, our listenership was down? Is it because people are not commuting or because we're talking about Hannity too oh much? We God, had a dip for the know. first time. It's, We've been growing every week. the smallest of dips. Just please relax. reverse our reversal of trend. We gotta. We, we, we need to be able to be snarky to Bankoff uh. and our new bosses at New York Magazine. Please hit subscribe and tune in next week for a breakdown of all things tech and business. 